May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, through his Son, his only Son, our Savior, who has set his face toward Jerusalem. You've seen the signs on the highways as you drive, perhaps in Colorado, in the Cascades of Oregon, in the Canadian Rockies, at the Arbuckle Mountains in southern Oklahoma, and out near Lakey and Vanderpool in the Texas Hill Country. That yellow and black sign that says, watch out for falling rocks. There's a different warning in today's gospel. Jesus speaks strong and true words when he says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder and to learn from the word of God before us this morning. As we hear this different warning, watch out for the falling rock. People God dearly loves. It's Holy Week in Luke 20. I know it's at least seven days, even a little more than that early. Jesus has entered Jerusalem to palm-waving, waving, cloak-paving, hosanna-singing crowds who say this, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. He has wept over the city. He has driven out merchants and money changers from the temple courts. He has been challenged by the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people. While they are plotting, Jesus is preaching the gospel. And as he preaches, Jesus tells this parable about a man who plants a vineyard, rents it to tenant farmers, and goes away to another country for a long time. Years pass. The vines mature. The grapes ripen. Now the harvest is ready to be gathered. So the owner sends servants back to receive his portion of the fruit of the vineyard. The first servant is beaten and sent away with nothing. The second servant is also beaten and treated shamefully. He too returns empty-handed. The third servant is wounded and thrown out of the vineyard for greater injuries. Needless to say, he brings no grapes back to the vineyard's owner. Finally, the owner decides this. I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. That's a double surprise that the owner would even send his son after the treatment to the servants and the surprise when the son shows up because the tenants know that he's the heir. They devise their plan. They will kill the man and claim the vineyard, the son's inheritance, as their own. They cruelly do all of that. Jesus ends the parable with a question. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will bring justice. He will come to the vineyard himself. He will destroy those who rejected his servants and his son. And he will give the vineyard and its blessings to others. Surely not, 
those listening exclaim, for they know that Jesus has nailed them. That truth is revealed in verse 19 near the end of today's gospel. They perceive that he has told this parable against, note, against, not about them. Because it is Yahweh who has planted a vineyard in mercy and grace. That vineyard is the covenant people of God. It is Israel. The wicked tenants are the Jewish religious leaders. They have rejected the servants, all the prophets sent by God for hundreds of years. And they are ready to kill the owner's beloved son and take possession of what was never theirs to control or own. Jesus knows their hearts. He knows their desires. He knows their plans. And they need to hear what their rejection of the cornerstone means. The builders dare not reject this special stone, this head of the corner. But they are doing so. They are falling on it, and they will be broken to pieces. And when it falls, they will be crushed. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy for me to point fingers, and I think it's easy for you. But Jesus speaks truth to us as much as he did to the scribes and the chief priests. And Paul's words, today's epistle, Paul's words to the church in Philippi fit with our Lord's warning to watch out for the falling rock. I want to make that connection for you. Early Thursday morning, I was reading and studying these three texts. Even though there isn't a common word, I often try to find one that linked them, Isaiah 43, Philippians 3, and Luke 20. There was a theme. At least to me, it is this. It is the rock, and it is our rocks. Listen as I explain. The question that's prompted by Philippians 3 by Paul is this. What do I bring to God? What do I think I can bring to God? What do I think that God wants me to bring to him? Paul calls it rubbish. It's more than trash. It's filth. All the things that the apostle could boast about, all the righteousness he could claim by having kept kept the law, all of this Paul counts as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What do I bring to God? A bag of rocks. They're not only worthless, they're heavy, and I keep adding rocks to them all the time. And when the bag gets worn or breaks, well, I patch it up and I reload the rocks because I can't lose a single one. And I carry them around with me everywhere I go. I even carried them into this sanctuary this morning. I do that every Sunday morning. I do this because I believe a lie. I think these have value, but they are not colorful rocks as jewelry, faceted, shiny, mounted in rings or in pendants. 
Yet I call these treasures, convincing that God wants me to offer my righteousness to him. Now, Paul didn't just speak to the Philippians in Greece in the first century. He speaks to the crown of Lyphians in Texas in the 21st century. And he says to each of us, what you call treasure is worthless. What you and I boast about, what you and I want others to see, what you and I think is valuable, needs to be lost, discarded, thrown away. Can you imagine the immensity of the rock pile that is here every Sunday at Crown of Life when we bring our rocks, when we drop the rocks of sin and greed and pride and selfishness and lust and envy. What did we hear last Sunday in Pastor Nuttleman's final sermon at Crown of Life? From Luke 15, that we are all the younger son, shamed and broken and desperate and undeserving of the Father's welcome. And that we are all the older brother, full of pride, because we stayed home and followed the rules and deserved to be honored. Then we heard from Chaplain Putler on Wednesday that we are all Barabbas. We are the guilty ones, but we are set free when the innocent one takes our place. We are 12 days away from the somber ascent of Golgotha, the place of the skull, on this rocky hill where his cross is planted in that stony soil. Jesus is proven to be the cornerstone the valuable and strong rock of our salvation. And when the price is paid in full, when his body is carried into a stone cave in a nearby garden, it will be there until that heavy stone is tossed away, unable to hold the Lord of life. Leave your rocks here today. Don't take a single one home. Leave that ragged sack as well so that you are not tempted to start gathering more rocks this week. But you will. And so will I. Then we'll return weary and burdened again. We'll return to drop our rocks as ragged runaways. And when we return, we won't fall over, trip over the cornerstone. We will fall down in confession and we will be raised to our feet with forgiveness for all that would crush us has crushed Jesus on the cross. He is stricken and smitten and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. That's Isaiah 53. But there is more good news. It's in Isaiah 43. Hear it this day. Behold, I am doing a new thing that the people I formed for myself might declare my praise. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.